So today we start this new sermon series called uh, Find Your Footing. And, uh, you know, the more that uh, I've just kind of wrestled with the passages and the messages that we'll look at in this sermon series, the more that it feels very relevant. Uh, just for the time that we are living in and uh, what's going on and what I know many of our personal lives, what's going on in a in, in the culture. Even, uh, you know, it feels like as a church, this is a time of change and transition. And my prayer is that as we uh, look at God's Word over the course of the next few months in this sermon series, that God would speak to us. I really believe that, as J.R. kind of highlighted, uh, that when we find our footing in the Lord, there is a stability. You know, we are bound to experience change and difficulty in life. And so our hope is that as we look at God's Word, that He'll ground us in something firmer than our circumstances and, and even firmer than relationships that are wonderful but can be with sinful people. And so they, are, they experience their ups and downs. And so my prayer is, through all of this, that to each of us individually, to us as a congregation, that God would establish us in, and, and help us to find our footing, find our stability in Him. Let's go before the Lord and commit this sermon series to Him. Father God, we thank You that You are a, a steady God, a God that does not change, that is that is a rock that we can build our lives upon. And God, we recognize that, that this there have been some turbulent times uh, in our country, especially the last few years. And we may even have personally been experiencing some difficulties in our own lives. And we recognize that, that even as a congregation, this feels like a a time of transition, and, uh, and there are difficulties around us and in us. And God, we want to really just come before you and pray that you would help us to be sure-footed, that we would plan our, our feet in our relationship with you, that we would look to you, God. And God, I pray that, that today and over the next uh, several weeks and the next few months, that you would speak to us these important words that you have for us in our time today. And, uh, and God, help us to just be grounded in the truth of who you are and what your word says. And so, God, we just come before you now and we ask that you be our teacher today and in, and in the life groups this week and in the, and in the next several weeks and months uh, that you would teach us, that you would, uh, that you would guide us into your truth. And God, I pray that you would steady us and help us to find our footing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About a year ago, my sister-in-law had a baby, a cute little baby, as all of them are. And, uh, w and what surprised me is when she, she told me that before they leave the hospital, you know, you have to fill out all the paperwork and give the baby its name and all of those things. And, and there was one part of the hospital paperwork that was new from what I remember experiencing uh, when we had our kids, and that is they asked the parents 
what the gender of the child was. And you could indicate on there if it was going to be a boy, a girl, or undecided. And, uh, and, I, and I just, I found that kind of sh- shocking. And, uh, and I, it just, it caused me to reflect, man, we live in a different time. And it seems that there are changes all around us. Like, I think we are going through a time of, of a moral revolution. It just seems that things are changing so rapidly, and it feels like there's a lot of confusion. Like, we're not even sure if a, if a, if a baby is a boy or a girl, and there's confusion all over the place. There is so much that is going on around us. Right and wrong oftentimes don't seem as black and white as it used to be. And, uh, and the pandemic, for, for whatever reason, seems to have accelerated all of that. And so these are some of the things that we are going to be looking at as we get into this sermon series. You know, a lot of this has been on my mind. I, our, our son Dawson is in middle school this year, and I find myself more and more concerned with what he's being taught by whom. And, uh, and I want us to just look to God's Word to, f- to see if we might find some sure-footedness. Because it can't be based on what is happening around us. And FYI, this is not a political commentary sermon series. But I do, but we will talk about some things because I think the things that are going on around us affect us deeply affect us personally sometimes when we don't even realize it. Like, I think it affects us emotionally, it affects us relationally, and it affects us spiritually. And so just to help us uh, put us in, uh, uh, help us to begin to think through some of these things at a deeper level, let me ask us some self-examination questions. And, And you can just think about this for your own life. How has the stress and anxiety levels in your life been over the last couple years? You find yourself just kind of feeling like you're at, 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 maybe not all the time, but you've experienced just a higher number of moments of just high levels of stress and anxieties. And, and have all the ups and downs of the lockdown and then uh, isolation and then everything that's been happening culturally— Has all of that been good for you spiritually? Or has it been spiritually difficult? And how has everything that's been going on over the last few years affected your relationships? Relationally, have there been times of difficulty and strain? And I could be wrong, but my guess is you have been affected by all the ups and downs like I have. And it feels like at times you have trouble finding your footing. And this has been a difficult period, and it will continue to be a difficult period. Like, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So we've got to make sure that we're finding our footing in in a place other than what's going on around us. And so over the course of the next several, uh, uh, for the next few months, We're going to look at a section of Scripture that I think has remarkable parallels to what we are experiencing today. Now, the section of Scripture that we're going to look at 
took place 2,700 years ago. But it's amazing how contemporary it feels because there are, there are many parallels, and I'll try to draw some of that out uh, even this morning. But the period, of script, the period of history and the period of Scripture that we're going to look at is, takes place during the time of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah wrote one of the, uh, the larger prophets in the Old Testament, and it seems that Isaiah must have come from uh, some family rank because he had easy access to the king. And because of that, he was culturally plugged in to what was going on during his day. Now, when Isaiah ministered some 2,700 years ago, in fact, I'll give you the exact dates. According to the uh, scholars that I read, Isaiah ministered in Israel from 739 to 686 B.C. So uh, what is that? Almost um, 75 years. Now, when I, Isaiah came on the scene, they were at the tail end, end of King Uzziah's reign. King Uzziah had, been a long, had had a long 50-year reign over the, uh, over the nation of Israel. And after Uzziah, and during the majority of Isaiah's uh, time of prophecy, there's just one king after another. One good, one bad. One good, one bad. And uh, it made me think of the turbulent transitions that we've had in national leadership and how the two sides the both sides of the political aisle are so starkly different and he and the nation of israel was experiencing some of that too as it bounces around from one king to the next and the transitions of power are not always smooth and then during isaiah's uh, time there was moral confusion as we've kind of highlighted that we are experiencing today. Now, in Isaiah's time, it was clearly because the nation of Israel had strayed from the Lord. There was sin in the land. But again, I think if we can look deep, there, there's a parallel here. We, we have experiencing a lot of what Isaiah talks about in his prophecy. And then the Israelites during this time were in, under constant attack. First from the Assyrians and then from the Babylonians. And it was coming in waves. And I highlight that just because it was so much ups and downs. And it reminds me of the ups and downs that we are experiencing. So you can begin to see why, why we think that this is such an appropriate uh, portion of Scripture. Now Isaiah is 66 books. So we want to break it down a little bit because... We cover all 66. We'll be here for the next decade. So here's how we're going to break it down. And, th and in fact, this is how every scholar breaks down the book of Isaiah. There's clearly, two, there's clearly a big break in Isaiah chapter 40. There's 66 uh, books, and chapters 1 through 39 are all about God's punishment. And it's because Israel has strayed from the Lord and been unfaithful to God. And I'll point out they were unfaithful to God during the steady years when they had a consistency in, in, the, in uh, the king's leadership and, and there was peace in the land. It was then that they were unfaithful and God brings this punishment. But then in chapter 40, there's a clear break. And so chapters 40 through 66 are all about God's comfort and consolation. And it is during 
It is in these chapters that we see Isaiah calling the people to trust in the Lord and to hope in the Lord during the turbulent times. And so that's what I think is most valuable for us. We're going to pick it up in chapter 40 because I think this is God's call for us to trust in him and to hope in him even while we're going through the ups and downs of all kinds of things in life. And so we're starting it today in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. And, uh, and FYI, we're going to go through uh, 40 through 53. And so 53 will be our Christmas message, because if you're familiar with Isaiah 53, it's, uh, it's one of the uh, best passages of Scripture looking forward to the coming of Jesus. But today we start in Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. So open up your Bibles to Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. We'll read this uh, together, and... Um, and uh, if you want to follow along on the screen, it'll be on the screen as well, whatever is, is uh, most helpful for you. But this is Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. And here's the, here's the turning point in the book of Isaiah. It's, it starts by saying, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower falls But the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. When the Israelites first heard uh, these words some 2,700 years ago, uh, there are a couple analogies here that surely would have been very easy for them to grasp. I mean, the verse we just read talked about the shepherd and the lambs. And then uh, I want to highlight verses 3 through 5 because there's, a, there's an, another image here of the wilderness and the desert place, the valley and the mountain. These people lived in a time where they walked the rugged paths. And, uh, and surely these images of mountains and valleys and rough grounds would not have been hard for them to grasp. But we live in a world of 
cars and buses and paved roads, right? Uh, and so we've got to use our imaginations a little bit. And that's maybe part of the reason why we, like, we've decked out the church and maps and hiking themes and stuff, to get our, get our minds around all of this. Because we want to begin to understand what Isaiah is talking about here. And so we might not live on hiking trails all the time, but we can use our imaginations and, and get our minds around it, right? And so here I've got my, uh, well, actually, these are not mine. These are Brian and Abby's that are letting me use these. But here are two walking sticks, that uh, you might use when you are hiking, right? And the walking sticks, what do they do? They, they help, they help steady, your, steady you on your feet so you don't stumble and fall. Now, one thing I have noticed is uh, when, we, when you go hiking, uh, you can slip and fall. But it's typically not on the flat ground, right? Where you really need these things is when you're going down into the valley or you're climbing up on the mountain. Because every once in a while, when you're going down the decline or you're coming up the, the incline, you're, you're, if you don't got something to steady you, your foot can slip out from under you. And if you don't catch yourself uh, quick enough, you're going to land on your bum or scrape your elbow, and then, and then you're out there and you're, uh, and you're bleeding or whatever, and you're trying to get back to where you can get patched up. And here is the analogy. When we're going through so many ups and downs in life, that's when it gets dangerous. That's when we can slip and fall. And so as we've already mentioned, all of this that has been happening to us, and I've just noticed in my life and as I've known so many others, you get to the point where you're just emotionally exhausted. And just like when you're hiking, you never anticipate a fall or you'd steady yourself, it catches you by surprise. And sometimes I've been just, it's caught me by surprise what rises up in my own heart or what rises up in a conversation. And, and all of a sudden it just, boom, there's a moment of frustration that bursts out or anger or anxiety. And, and it, it comes because we slip and fall. We lose, our, we lose our footing. And we've been going through periods of frustration and anger and fear and anxiety and sadness and all of these things, right? But here is what God says here in the first verse. He says, comfort, comfort my people. And in the midst of all of the, in the midst when we slip and fall or when we feel these anxieties inside of, inside of us, even if we don't come out in a burst, they still boil up within us, and God says he wants to bring us comfort. Now, in, the, in this comfort, it goes on to say the, that the ups and the downs of life, that's the dangerous part, but look at what he says here in verse 4. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the, the rugged places a plain. And so there's that idea that God provides the level ground. He gives us a little bit of security and stability so that we're not as bound to stumble and fall. And then it goes on to say, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. See, there's a tie between verse 5 and verse 4. It's when we see God and the glory of the Lord is revealed that the ground becomes flat. 
and stable and steady. To see the glory of the Lord will cause us to see everything differently. And it can cause stability in our lives. It gives us a different foundation. You see, the comfort that God brings comes from having a firm foundation. Now, that's foundational to this whole sermon series because we can build our lives upon a foundation that either leads to peace and hope and stability or one that leads to fear and anxiety and instability. And the instability that we're experiencing in our world and maybe even in our own personal lives right now is a call from God to stop and to look and to identify and to, and to, and to seek to ask the question, what are we hoping in? What are we trusting in? You see, that's what we're asking. Where, where is our foundation? What are we building our lives upon? That foundation determines whether we have the Lord's comfort that he talks about here. Because if we build our lives around the idea that eventually we'll have an economic turnaround, don't count on it. Or that we build our lives upon a political party or a political candidate or a political platform, uh, not so good. Or if you're hoping for some sort of cultural revival, good luck, it's not coming. Maybe, but we're not going to build our hopes on it. And even uh, if we build our lives upon relationships, even with good people, just remind us that no one is perfect. We need a firmer foundation. And these 11 verses begin to help us lay that foundation. So let's dig into it now. In these uh, 11 verses, this is, this is foundational for this whole sermon series. Uh, and so these are, these are two points today. They're very basic, but they're very important. The first thing that we build our uh, lives on is the truth of God's Word. So when we talk about a firm foundation, I've got two feet— and so I'm going, to use, uh, I'm going to use this foot to say we place our foot on the truth of God's Word. God's Word provides us with truth that does not change. It's steady, it's firm, it can be counted upon. Look what Isaiah says here in verse 8. The grass withers and the, uh, and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God endures forever. It can be counted on. We can, we can place our foot down on it. And we can trust that God's Word will guide us. And I'll just say that God's Word has something to say on virtually every subject you can think about. And I think of all the stuff that, we, uh, that comes to mind when we think about everything that we've experienced. And, you know, going back to my opening illustration, God's Word has something to say on gender. And it has something to say on sexuality. It has something to say on abortion, which has been in the news. It has something to say on race and poverty and economics. It has something to say on relationships and everything that you could get your mind around. It might not address it specifically, and oftentimes it will, but at least it gives us the grid work, the foundation around which to get a Christian worldview, a God-centered, biblically-based worldview to understand what, God, what God's view and his perspective is on all of these things. And not only does it teach us, help us understand right from wrong, but it also gives us instruction on how to treat people that disagree with us. Right? 
And so that is why this book, the Bible, is uh, so foundational. This is like gold in our hands. It's so precious. It gives us instructions not only for the things that we experience for society, but I am amazed at how often I'll open this up and it'll speak directly personally to me and what I'm going through. And so that's why this is one of our points that we're going to plan our foot on, the truth of God's Word, because it, because it provides stability. Now, the idea of God speaking is saturated throughout these 11 verses. Like, if there's any repeated theme, this is it. Verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her. Verse 3, a voice calling. Verse 6, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? Verse 8, the word of God endures forever. Verse 9, bring the good news. Proclaim it from a high mountain. Lift it up with a shout. Tell all the towns of Jerusalem. So the, over, the repeated theme here is that God speaks and that uh, God has a message of good news. And that message is to guide the people of Israel during that day. That message is to guide us during our day. It gives us a plan. Uh, it helps us to know what God's way is so that we don't get stuck in our own understanding because that's part of why we get instability is we're relying on our own understanding and it doesn't have a firmness to it. And so many people just simply try to figure things out on their own. And the good news is God says, I've got the way. And, his, and the word of the Lord endures forever. God's ways were ordained for us before we were born. And he created us and designed the world so that, the, that, so that he gives us a way to live best in his created world. It is rebellion against God that leads to frustration. Speaking of frustration, uh, I'll, I'll throw up a picture here. And uh, now that's a frustrating uh, incident, being at the gas pump. You're like, what? How can this cost so much money? Uh, that, uh, the, the, gas, uh, the gas prices uh, can be a frustrating thing. And then I got a kick out of this next one. My mom is going to be so happy when we, she sees that the gas tank, she sees the gas tank full, and the kids are filling it up with the garden hose full of water, right? And uh, now that's really frustrating because the car is not designed to run on water. Now, gasoline is what the car is designed to run on. Apple juice looks a lot like gasoline, but if you put apple juice in your car, it's going to lead to frustration. Now, the apple juice may actually smell better and taste better, but you don't want to put it in your car. And uh, in the same way, God's Word, at times, we might not like the way it smells or tastes. And there may be things that we read and you're like, I don't like that God says, and you fill in the blank. But guess what? God's designed the world. And it's designed to be uh, lived in a certain way. And the fact that he gives us instructions is not like he's robbing us from uh, something good. He's leading us into the path that's going to lead to the best life possible. Like if we keep pumping uh, apple juice into your car tank, I don't care well, how, how full you get it. It's not going to work. 
And if we keep seeking to rebel against God, it's never going to lead to stability. It's never going to lead to peace and to hope and to joy. And so we treasure this book. And and, And I challenge you to be in God's Word every day. Have a reading plan. And to uh, be in a life group where we can study the Bible together and we can apply it. Because ultimately, it's not just knowing the Word, it's putting it into practice. And when, we, and when we read the Word and we put it into practice, it leads to the comfort that God's Word talks about here. When God's Word reigns in our hearts, over time, the valleys are brought up and the mountains are made low and the rough spots are smoothed out. So... Under one foot, we put the Word of God, and under the other foot, we put the character of God, who God is, who we know God to be. These are the two things that we're standing upon. And verses 9 through 11 tell us three things about who God is. Verse, uh, the first thing I'll point out is that God is present. Verse 9, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain, You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. The fact that God is here brings us comfort. God has not abandoned us. He's not left us uh, to our own. Now, Isaiah challenges the people to not be afraid to bring the good news. Why would they be afraid to proclaim, here is your God? Well, it might be the same way, the same reason that we shy away from proclaiming the good news of God today, and that is because we know that some will not want to hear that God is here. Some would rather sweep God under the rug and not have him interfere in their lives or tell them what to do. However, the truth still remains that God is here. And to those of us who know that truth and love God, this is good news, that God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so to the person here this morning who is wondering if God would still accept them because they have sinned against God, God says, I am here. And to the person who is frustrated or tired or angry like we've been talking about, God says, I am here into a culture that seems to want to run from God and forget about him, God still says, I am here. You know, we have these hiking sticks to, to remind us that life can get unstable and we can fall down on our, uh, on our rear end sometimes. And it's, and it's the image of the buddy who is hiking with someone that reaches down and picks his friend up. And the same thing is, God reaches down to offer us a helping hand, and he says, I am here. So the first thing we see about God is that he is here. The second thing is that God is powerful. He's present, and he's powerful. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. And the mighty arm is a way of saying that God rules with strength. To say that he is the sovereign Lord means that he is in control. And so the world has its problems, right? Because of sin. Anything from termites to trauma to uh, tumors is all because of sin. But God is greater than sin. 
That's the reason he died on the cross and he rose from the dead to show that he has power over sin and death. God's got the power to help. He rules with a mighty arm. I had the joy of FaceTiming with a couple we haven't seen for a little while because they recently had their baby. So this is Paul and Shizuka's little baby, Isa. And uh, isn't that a beautiful little baby? Everybody loves a little baby. Now, the reason I highlight that is because um, it wasn't that long ago, and if you don't know the story, Shizuka was very, very sick. The doctors had been called in, or told Paul, you know, call in the family to say their final goodbyes. They removed the feeding tube, and she wasn't going to live. And when the doctors had predicted that she would not live another 24 hours, God worked a miracle in her life. In the middle of the night, after not even having sat up for months, she got up and walked to the living room. And, uh, and God told her to, to eat something. She hadn't eaten in like, oh, like 14 months or something like that. And she said, God, God, what do you want me to eat? Eat whatever you want. What I want are these Mexican pancakes that my mom used to make me. And uh, Paul took her to the grocery store, and they got the ingredients for these Mexican pancakes. All that to say is she was on her deathbed, and now she's home nursing a little baby. Now, if that's not a reminder of God being powerful, that he, can, that he can do anything, I don't know what is. Our God is a powerful God. And the things that seem so big to us right now, God is greater. God is present, and he is powerful. And the last thing I will point out is that God protects. And we see that here in verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have, have young. What an image that God is our shepherd. He pulls us in close like a shepherd does a lamb into his arms. If we could just take a moment and get that image in our minds to, to find ourselves in the restful, caring, strong arms of God our Father, to feel the warm embrace that God has for us and to know that he cares for us more than we could even get our minds around. We can be like that squirmy child. Unfortunately, Dawson was like that. He couldn't hold him. He always wanted out of your arms. We can be like that squirmy child, always wanting to get away. But if we can just learn to rest in the arms of God, there is, uh, there is comfort there. I've noticed that the first thing that always seems to go when we go through the turbulent times, the first thing we always seem to doubt is the protection of God. God, why would you let this happen? We doubt the care of God. And sometimes we don't always get the answer for why God allows certain things to happen. And this is where it boils down to faith. We trust in God, even when, it doesn't always, even when it's not always crystal clear. I know that that's oftentimes what happens in my life. And sometimes it's not that I doubt that God cares. It's almost that I doubt that God cares as much as I do. 
Like I'll go through something difficult and I'll, th- and, and I'll think, I got to convince God to intercede because I'm so concerned about this or I'm so concerned about this person that we become numb to the goodness of God. We forget that God is an infinite God that cares far more than we ever could care. I'll close with this story about, uh, you know, we have talking about this hiking theme. The longest uh, time I ever had to do kind of some hiking was a backpacking trip that I had in my early 20s. A couple buddies and I, uh, we were young and single, and so we thought, we're going to go for a, a long hike in the Rocky Mountains. And so we got our day camp reserved, and we hiked up there, and it was high up. It was above the tree line, and we were going to make trips out every day and do all of these hikes. And, uh, and I think we, it was something like six or seven days. And uh, what we ended up doing the whole six days was hiding out in our tents because it rained every day, all day. And, uh, and what I thought was going to be this fun trip just turned out to be miserable. We were just stuck in our tents on the hard ground, or we tried to put up this tarp, and we'd sit on these rocks and these logs all day just waiting for the rain to stop so we could go and do a hike. And, and at the end, we was like, forget it, let's get going. We packed up all our stuff, and we made it down uh, to the car. You know what my best uh, memory of this trip was? Finding the car, opening the door, and sitting down on the seat. That's my best memory, and this is what I remember. I remember distinctly thinking, wow, these car seats are so comfortable. <laughs> like, I've been sitting on rocks and logs and laying on hard ground all week. I never realized how comfortable the car seat was. And, uh, and that's what I remember of that trip. And uh, I think we've been going through so many difficult times. We can become numb to the goodness of God. Like, we've been sitting on hard rocks and hard logs for so long, it's hard for us even to get our minds around what Isaiah says here, comfort, comfort my people, or really what God says through Isaiah. God wants us to, to sit down and to feel the, the soft rest of his presence. Not that he's going to make all the circumstances automatically better and, no, and there's no more moral confusion, there's no more difficulties, all the relationships are perfect and everything. But, but God says, in the midst, rather than saying all that's going to be perfect, he says, in the midst of all of that, let's get grounded in some things that are stable. First of all, in his word, and then in who God is, the fact that God is present, and he's powerful, and he's protective. You know, I know that, that, that these are difficult times in, on multiple fronts. I mean, we could even say we're, we're, as a church, in times of transition, and, and change is never easy. I mean, I think of Stephen leaving, like, we had a great sell- goodbye dinner for him on Friday night, that's not easy. And we need to be, we need to find our uh, foundation ultimately in who God is and what he says about us. And so, um, and what he says about himself. And so this week, uh, I encourage you to talk about what we've talked about in our life groups this week. If you haven't signed up for a life group, Make sure you get one of those flyers in the foyer before you go home. And, uh, and I admit, we're going to get into greater detail on specific things in, this, in the upcoming weeks. 
Uh, but today, I just wanted to lay that foundation. I know today's truths are very, very basic. But until we've got these basic truths, the groundwork there, none of the rest of it will make any sense. And so my challenge for us this morning is just to be reminded of these fundamental truths, that God's Word can be trusted and that God Himself can be trusted. Isaiah 40, through the end of the book, is all about finding our trust and our hope in God. And so today, our truths about God is that He's present, He's powerful, and that He protects Let's go before the Lord in prayer. As I uh, pray, I'll just invite the prayer counselors to come forward, and uh, let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray. As we enter into prayer, I just have this sense that the um, Lord is giving an invitation to uh, anyone here that has never placed their faith or their trust in Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. And what I mean by that is, is uh, that, you have, that you haven't made a decision to, to really be a Christian, to to find your life in God and to, to rely on Him. And if I'm hearing from the Spirit right, and if there is someone here that would like to make that decision uh, to trust in the Lord, you know, I just like everyone to keep their eyes uh, closed and their heads bowed so that there can just be some privacy. But I'm going to look, and uh, if you want to raise your hand, uh, I would like to be able to know that and pray for you. There's someone here today that would like to commit their life. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. You're like the good shepherd who doesn't let a sheep wander away or wander astray, but uh, you protect your flock. If one does, is hurt, you bandage them up. You protect them from the storms, lead them into to a safe pasture. You provide water and food. God, you do all of these things for us more than we realize. We thank you that you are a God who is here with us all the time. Thank you that you are a God who is powerful. Thank God that you are a God who protects us. And God, right now, we're just asking that you would protect us because we know that we are going through turbulent times. There's people here uh, this morning that are having difficulty in some of their most important relationships. God, I pray that you draw near to them and help them. And there's others that are struggling financially or struggling at work. I pray that they would be able to look to you and, and trust in you even when things are really challenging. And, uh, and there's others that are just 
emotionally or spiritually, they're worn out. It's just been a long, difficult season. And God, I pray that you, that you would, uh, even this morning, just begin to fill them up a little bit more. So God, I thank you that we have these prayer counselors here this morning. If there's anyone that could use someone to just pray for them, I pray that you would bring them forward now. But God, as we sing this final song, we just ask that your spirit would come and minister to us and that you would meet us where we are at. We thank you for who you are, God, that you love us so much. We thank you that, uh, that you are here with us now. You meet us right where we are at. Let's stand as we sing this final song together.